podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, as well as Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF, as well as anybody else who wants to hop in here in the next few months to years. We're happy to welcome you all. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Okay, let me start by saying this. Thank you. To all of you who listen to the show on the regular, to if you are a new listener, uh, we picked up a bunch of Twitter followers, so if this is your first time, welcome. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened. Last week's show, our big realignment show, not realignment, sorry, conference consolidation, let's get that right. The show was the most listened to, most downloaded episode ever. That means it beat both of our uh, our you know realignment episodes from last summer when the Big 12, the OU Texas News dropped. Um, so let me just say I appreciate all of you listening. Thank you so much. Biggest episode ever. That is awesome news. We really appreciate all of you for listening. We hope that we continue to provide the kind of content that you're looking for and that keeps you coming back on the regular. Let's see those numbers each and every week. I hope that you guys are excited about today. We've got a lot to get to. Um, joining me to discuss all Big 12, first team, all Big 12 rankings, as well as the current status of conference consolidation, uh, my usual co-host, Andy Mitts. Andy, welcome back, man. Yeah, hey, it's it's great to be back. It's it's been a little while. We've got a lot of stuff that's been going on, so it's great to be able to get back here. I, I will have to admit, I actually have not had an opportunity to listen to that episode yet, so I'm looking forward to it. But um, look, it, you can still go back and listen to it if you guys haven't yet, because there is a lot of really great stuff and a lot of stuff flying around everywhere. So I'm looking forward to listening to it later tonight. Um, but yeah, should be lots of fun. Uh, it was a good episode. If I do say so myself, it was loaded. It was huge. Good grief, it was so good. With Shehan on, I had to have Ari on to talk, new commissioner, and then all of that nonsense happened. Just absolutely crazy. Fantastic stuff. Go listen to the show. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, my personal opinion, although I am a bit biased. Okay. Only a little bit. Just a, a, a smidgen. All right, so let's kick things off. Obviously, we were going to talk about consolidation here in a minute. We're going we're gonna to save that um, a little bit later in. We've got some Big 12-specific news to talk about. Obviously, the Big 12 announced the media preseason football team as well as the preseason rankings for the Big 12 this past week. And I think we've all got plenty of thoughts. People have voiced them. I, 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 we've got to talk about them. And I was one of the people who voted, both for the rankings as well as the team. We can talk about what I picked uh, here, and I'll release those on Instagram as always, at 1012pod, T-E-N, the number 12, P-O-D. Andy, let's start with the all-conference team. I mean, the thing that you've got to feel excited about as a Kansas fan is that Kansas had as many players on the team as the great and mighty Oklahoma. Yeah, and remember the fact that, like, Oklahoma only got their punter on the team, whereas Kansas got, you know, a, a defensive starter in, uh, in in Kenny Logan on the team. So, um, look, I think that says a lot of different things about 
the state of the conference and where the talent is. And I think also just kind of the fact that we, with Oklahoma having so many players that left after Lincoln Riley, you know, ran off to USC, I'm not really that surprised. Um, the thing that jumped out to me most about the awards looking at them was that except for one player in Charles Woods who, you know, transferred into West Virginia, every single one of these players was recognized in the postseason last year. So there was a lot of, I don't know how common that normally is. Like I, I, I was expecting there to be more guys that kind of came in, um, you know, that, that transferred in at some pretty big positions to jump onto this team. Um, I was honestly a little surprised at the quarterback position that Spencer Sanders was the one that, that took it with all of the big name quarterbacks that supposedly came in this year. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, I don't know. It, it almost feels to me like this was the, the default go with who we recognized last year because we really don't know what's going to happen this year. I think it's a little bit twofold. I think some of it is familiarity and some of it is you, you, you know what you're going to get from some guys who you've already seen. Right. And not to mention, I think there's a lot of talent who came back. Like you, it's a lot of factors. I'm sorry. Mm. This is why I don't drink before podcasts <laughs> anymore. Um, okay. Let's break this down. One, it is a matter of familiarity. You know, the guys, you know, you trust the guys you trust, but it's not just that it is. You brought a lot of talented guys back. And, or in the case of some guys who have who've left to go to the NFL or, or transferred, you felt comfortable with the guys who were going to replace them and put them into the position to be on this all-conference team. I'm not, I'm not surprised. Mine's not an exact duplicate. It's not an exact copy. I have some of the same here, and I have some that's very different. Um, but for the most part, it all makes a lot of sense. You didn't see anybody really. The only real like negative comment was that Oklahoma only got one, so it's, you know, quote-unquote bulletin board material, which is really just, you know, OU and, and props to Brent Venables right. getting the opportunity, a guy who is a motivator, who looks for any opportunity to motivate his players to say, we just got disrespected by only getting a punter on here. How does that make all of you feel? Congrats for putting that bullet in his chamber. But, I mean, I submitted mine. I only had two more Oklahoma players on my ballot. That's, it's not like I had six or seven, like, it's hard to know what to expect from them. And with all that they lost this offseason and what has been brought back and some players that you are excited about, there's just so many questions marks with Oklahoma this year. It's also why they're second in the preseason poll. Yeah, it's also, I mean, if you look at it too, the other thing that really jumps out is, and, and, and I get, this is probably fairly normal as well, um, but I didn't take the time to actually go back and look at you know multiple years in the past, but there was there was a lot of seniors on this team. And I think that speaks not only to how many or, you know, how the experience and how they've seen these guys, you know, year after year and kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, but also to your point about so many guys coming back that were super talented from last year. I mean, there is a lot of, uh, you know, seniors and, and red shirt seniors and, you know, a fifth year red shirt, fifth year players. Like there's a lot of really experienced players on this team. Um, the other thing that really is kind of interesting as well is that there was only two unanimous selections, and that was Deuce Vaughn and Bijan Robinson at the running back position. I think that's probably the biggest storyline is with all of the running back talent that there is here in the conference, that those are the only two unanimous selections on the entire team. Like, I thought that that was absolutely crazy um, because I can tell you right now, there are a lot of really good running backs. Like, you look across, and at pretty much every team in the entire conference has a running back that you would think is starting material for pretty much everyone else. It's just that there are so many of them around the entire conference that I, I was shocked that those were two unanimous selections. Um, not that I'm you know saying that they shouldn't have been or that they you know weren't worthy of being on the team, but for them to be that highly recognized in a position group that's that stacked across the entire conference is just kind of crazy to me. I'm I'm less shocked by them being unanimous because I think a lot of different guys have a case for it, but those are the two best running backs in the conference. Like I, I just, yeah, I, that, I, I guess I'm, I'm not, more, I'm not shocked that they're unanimous, but I'm shocked that that's the only unanimous players. Now that's the two now, running backs. That, so coming from that angle, I'm more shocked by the fact that the three wide receivers who I am not shocked to see those three on there, that none of them, I'm shocked Xavier worthy was not a unanimous pick. Who left Xavier Worthy off their ballot? Like I, Honestly, I can say the same thing about Xavier Hutchinson. 
That's fine. Like, he was, I, and I'm someone who on this podcast has said I think he's a little right. bit overrated, yeah. but I have him on mine. Like I don't these three wide receivers, like if you want to say Marvin Mims, okay. Like that that would be a fourth option. But who there's no one you should have put in over Xavier Worthy over what after what he did at Texas last year and now is a year older. He's one of only three sophomores on on the team. It is mostly, you're correct. It's mostly seniors, redshirt seniors. There's a few juniors. There's three sophomores. Just three. Uh, Colin Oliver from Oklahoma State. Xavier Worthy, as we mentioned. And Zach Frazier, offensive lineman from West Virginia. That's it. Those are all three sophomores. Everybody else is mostly seniors with some juniors thrown in. Xavier Worthy should have been unanimous. Sorry. And look. Can we just preface the rest of the things we say? And I should have done this already. Like preseason stuff, silly. It's silly. We all know it's silly. It's silly season. This is a fun thing we do to create these kinds of discussions. It means nothing. And it, the end of the season one is far more important. But of course, and the fact that he didn't get unanimous isn't like, huh, burn Austin down. This is we must find this person. But it is it is interesting to me that Xavier Worthy was not a unanimous as he is pretty much consensus viewed as if not the best wide receiver in the Big Twelve, the second best. And that he wasn't a unanimous is very interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those like I said, I am surprised that the only two unanimous selections were at the running back position, which is probably the deepest position in the entire conference. Yeah. Okay, so let's ask this. I want to let's talk about comparing this team to the rankings. Um, at this point, everybody's aware, Baylor's picked number one, followed by Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Kansas State, Iowa State, TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, Baylor, OU, OSU, Texas, and Iowa State all got a first place vote. That is insane. I should have checked. That's probably, that's that's got to be a record at five different teams, including the team in sixth place, getting a first place vote um, in the preseason poll. Yeah, that's insane. It, it does speak to the depth of the Big 12, and we could talk about that here in a minute, or at least how wide open this conference is. But what's crazy to me is this. Kansas State led all teams with six players on the preseason All-Big 12 football team. Six players. In the preseason poll, they're fifth. Oklahoma had one, the same number of Kansas. Oklahoma's second. Now, I understand why those things are, and I, I... but it's wild to me, and we'll talk about, I'm happy to reveal mine here in a minute. It's wild to me that Kansas State had six, and they're sitting in fifth in the poll. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I agree that that is a little weird. Like, it's it's kind of strange, right, to have that many. Um, but it's not like they had four more than the next person or the next team or anything like that. Um, you know, there was, a, I mean, there was six. I think there was two teams that had five. Uh, maybe I miscounted. Um, but I mean, like there was, it was pretty evenly spread and you look at the positions, right. That they had all big 12 players in and it's like, it's things that typically make sense for Kansas state. Um, you know, it's often, they have a guy on the offensive line. They have the kick return, punt return guy, like special teams is huge for them. Um, that's something they're usually pretty good at. And most of the conference is not typically that great at it. And so I, I think it's a combination of having really good guys at positions that don't have a lot of other really good guys in the conference and getting recognized for it. And also to be fair, I think some of it is the reputation of Kansas state of having good guys at these positions. Um, the problem. And, and I think the reason, if you really look at it is the question marks that Kansas state has on offense where people are saying, Hey, look, they have a lot of good talent that's spread all over the place. But if you look at what they had last year, like I don't, I don't know that I look at the Kansas State team this year and say they are demonstrably more talented this year than they were last year. Um, maybe you can say that at certain positions, but overall, I wouldn't say that the overall talent level of Kansas State is much better this year than it was last year. And they didn't, you know, they didn't have a fantastic year last year. And I also am, would not be surprised if part of the issue with Kansas State is that, you know, you have uh, such polarizing opinions of Adrian Martinez. There are a lot of people that really like Adrian Martinez. There are a lot of people that do not see anything. Um, like they, and, and I'm one of those. I've been ripped by a bunch of K-State fans. I don't, I just don't see why everybody is so high on Adrian Martinez that is. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. When we get to the end of the year, if he has a phenomenal year, you know, I'll be the first to say, look, I was wrong. But I think there's, there's a big enough gap there where there's a lot of people that really like what he has, and there's a lot of people that don't really like what he has, that it that it brings them back into the middle because that's the biggest question mark. 
I do, I do think it's interesting. I, I feel like I almost think part of it is we we treat these things as two different entities as opposed to two things that are tied together. Because in your mind, if you have the most good players on a on a first team, you should be high in the rankings, right? You've got the what we think are the most best players. You should be high highly ranked. But we don't treat them that way. We treat it as okay, these are the teams I think will be the best teams, and these are the players who are the best players. And I and I, and I know that sounds silly, that's exactly what it is, but I don't think they correlate enough in how we view the two things, right? Because well, Oklahoma, I, I, obviously, I do think like, part of that though, like offensive line, if you have a one really good offensive lineman, but everyone else is not that great, then your offensive line isn't worth anything. Like there are lots of positions where you can have one standout guy who everybody recognizes as a standout guy, but if the rest of the unit isn't that great, you know, or you don't have a ton of great depth behind it, then it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's great to have that one guy, but you know, you it's football is much more of a team game. Um, you know, than than some of the other sports. Like in, in basketball, if you have the most guys preseason in basketball, well, then, yeah, you're going to have a really good team because each individual player has a much greater impact on how well the team plays. Football, everything is so specialized, and it's really, really hard for one standout player to make that much of a difference on the way that a team goes, unless it's the quarterback who has the ball on pretty much every offensive snap. I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it again, and everybody was blowing up about Iowa State getting a first-place vote. And it is wild that somebody gave them one after last season and everything yeah, they've lost. really like Hunter Deckers. To give them a first place vote. Somebody get two people gave Texas a first place vote. Two people gave Texas a first place vote. That's worse in my opinion. I'm sorry, I, but I don't know that I agree though. I um I understand no no no. I understand everything Iowa State lost. They probably shouldn't have a first place vote. Right. Texas still has massive, massive holes on both lines. Massive question marks on both lines. I understand. I think somebody's getting really wowed by Quinn Ewers and all the offensive right. weaponry that, that that Texas brought in out of the transfer portal. And I know there's like, well, they could. Texas getting two first place votes is. And especially, sorry, let's talk about how they've been the last decade. Like, I trust Iowa State to be a successful team more than Texas. And I think Texas is going to have a, a, a good a good season this year. I think they can get to eight, maybe nine wins. But they but two two first two people put them first. That is yeah, I, nuts I, to me. Well Texas is one of those teams though that is either going to be really good or be really bad. Well and but, I think but it they comes have, down but to it how good that line they haven't been that way in a long They've had one really no, 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 no. good and season in the last decade. Most of the, they've been really right. bad more often. The problem here is this happens every year, and I get it from the national media. And I'm sure whoever did this are two people who cover Texas. Like I'm sure it is. Oh, oh yeah, probably. It absolutely, was two biased Texas people from the Texas media who put Texas first, and that's fine. But. Everyone went after Iowa State getting a first place vote, which I get, but they've also been, and I understand it's a difference of like a couple of years, but they've been in the Big 12 title game more recently than Texas. And we can say all we want about Steve Sarkeesian. We can dog Matt Campbell for uh, it's, it's seven, seven, five day. But like, I trust Matt Campbell more than Steve Sarkeesian at this point. Yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to, though. It's, it is people that are buying the hype of all the potential that Texas has. And yes, you can, you know, you can point to the very real issues there are on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, but if you are one of those people that feel good enough about the improvement year over year and think that Steve Sarkeesian, like actually believe that Steve Sarkeesian is the guy that's going to get help, get Texas back to where they need to be. And you look at all the talent they bring, like you have to take multiple steps to actually get there. But I can understand with all of those really high talent weapons why someone might make that jump i'm i am more puzzled why somebody would make that jump with iowa state because iowa state you know you talk about how last or last year was supposed to be quote unquote the most talented team that they've had in a really really long time um you know they didn't they didn't do as well obviously and, and there was a lot that goes into that you know it's not it's not as simple as matt campbell doesn't know how to handle having more talent or anything like that no it's it's not it's nothing stupid like that they had a lot of bad breaks go against them last year. But if you look at the talent level from last year to this year, again, I, I can't say that for Iowa State that it 
for sure got better. You can believe that Hunt, the, the potential of Hunter Deckers is better than what they had from Brock Purdy. But Brock Purdy was a very experienced quarterback last year that had a few flaws, but for the most part was very, very successful. The question, again, with Iowa State is, you know, their offensive line. I just actually had, had Levi Stevenson over on the Rock Chalk podcast. We were doing the preview because that's which one it was. And we spent a lot of time talking about what Iowa State can do, what they have. But there are some pretty big holes for Iowa State as well. And that's why I'm like, I just, I, I don't know why they got a first place vote. I don't think either them or Texas should have a first place vote, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. but the one that ma- that makes the least sense to me is Iowa State because they don't have all the flashy transfers, all of the big name recruits, all of these huge guys that have a ton of talent that if you think that they're going to be as good as they might be able to be, then that's naturally going to, you know, bump them up. Iowa State is a team that I see that has a, you know, a variance level. They could, if everything goes really poorly for them, they could go five and seven on the year. If everything goes really, really well, it's probably eight and four or nine and three. Texas, on the other hand, if everything goes really, really poorly for Texas, they could be two and 10 by the end of the year. But if it goes really, really well, they could be 11 and one. Like Texas has a huge amount of variance. And so like, it's one of those things where if everything goes absolutely perfect for Texas and that's what you're banking on and that's why you're voting them first, then I can at least understand it. I don't agree with it, but I can at least understand how you might potentially make that leap. 11 and one. Wow. Okay. I'm not sure I would put yeah, Texas well, that. Well, that's there. not me. I have heard other people kind of talking about how they, oh, they could be 10 and two, 11 and one. And this is like national people. And, and so kind of like you said, you it, know, reading into a lot of that there stuff. There is but, no drug like the Texas off season drug. There's not. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. Like, I, don't, I, know. It's, I don't think it's anything awesome. can get you higher than that. Uh, okay. I said I'd put mine out. Um, I have the same top five. Uh, and I'll put this out on Twitter. Like I said, we're on Twitter. I'm sorry. I'll put it on Twitter. At 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. I'll put it on Instagram first, at 1012pod, if you want to check it out there. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you'll hear it here first. Thanks for listening. Um, I have the same top five teams in a different order. The poll is Baylor, OU, OSU, Texas, Kansas State. I have OU1, Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas in fifth. Yes, I put Oklahoma one. Um, Look. There's a very good chance Oklahoma goes eight and four, nine and three. There is they lost a ton of of talent. Um, you are going through a, a massive culture change at Oklahoma with Brent Venables coming in and what they want this team to be. But they're still one of the most talented teams in the conference. It's hard to ignore what they've been year in and year out. And I know it's a new head coach. They kept a lot of the coaching staff as they have. There's a lot of retention on that staff. There's more retention in the roster than we talk about. And yes, you brought in a new quarterback and a new OC, but they're a quarterback and an OC who know each other very, very well. In a wide open Big 12, in a Big 12 where there is not a, a dominant number one. Most of the years, we could just put OU at number one. We feel good about that. And then it's a debate over number two. Okay, who was good last year? Um, and then we're going to see Oklahoma face off against who some team picked third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh in the preseason poll against Oklahoma. That tease is going to rise up. That's what we've seen since the Big 12 title game came back. And then, of course, last year was was Baylor and Oklahoma State, which was just absolutely out of nowhere. But if you're giving me a wide-open Big 12, you're telling me it's a truly wide-open Big 12, which is why we have so many different teams with the first-place vote. And I get an Oklahoma team that's as talented as it is, that is, has still has a lot of consistency on the roster. And in the coaching staff, coming over with an OC and a quarterback, co- and a, an OC and a quarterback who know each other. Man, they call it Sooner Magic for a reason. And as much as I hate it, and as much as I hate to admit that it's a thing, and we can all argue that it's not, and I'm fine if you want to pick them to go eight and four, nine and three. I can absolutely see that. But to me, they have one of the highest floors in the Big Twelve this year, and so. I'm going to ride with the team that, you know, one year off, it's hard to see that happening two years in a row for Oklahoma. Yeah, so I would share my Big 12 ballot, but uh, I didn't actually fill one out this year because <laughs> I didn't. Well, I'm not technically a member of the credential media yet for whatever reason. I'm still working on that. But no, um, it, it's it's funny, Philip, because last year, you know, you, Jamie, and I were on the podcast and you said, I will never pick against Oklahoma finishing at the top of the conference until it actually happens. 
like with them not finishing. And you're right back to picking Oklahoma at the top of the conference, even though they didn't win it last year. And look, I understand what you're saying about there being a decent amount of continuity on the roster, but that was a team that had a lot of problems last year, bringing new people in to bring, you know, reorganize that talent could potentially make it better, but I don't think it automatically does, which is what we're so used to like Oklahoma, everybody, you know, getting better every year. And, you know, it's just a matter of who you're plugging in for the guys that left and all of that. I, I don't think it's quite the same. Like, yes, Oklahoma is fairly talented, but there are other teams in the conference that are comparably as talented, maybe not exactly the same, but it's at least in the same ballpark. There are a lot of questions about this Oklahoma team. There are a lot of questions about what Brent Venables is going to change, how well that's going to get received. And, you know, we see this all the time with, with, tons of other programs, even good programs. When you change the coaching staff and when you have an off season that was as crazy and ridiculous as OU's was, right? Like they had a lot of weird things happening, you know, when, when Lincoln Riley left. And so I, I can't imagine that it's going to be all smooth sailing. Yeah. Brent Venables is, you know, projecting a, you know, a, a, a situation there that like everything's under control and everything's going great. But I have to feel like there's going to be some hiccups. And so, you know, I'm looking at a team like Baylor. Yeah, Baylor lost some talent, but they brought a lot of talent back. They And, and they did. But they lost. Ahead. I think we understate how much Baylor actually lost. And they brought good pieces back. They did. I think we understate how much they actually lost, especially at wide receiver at running back and in defense. Like a lot. A lot more people. Like I know that we talk about the pieces they brought That's back. That's fair. I think OU lost a lot. I think, I think they're a little more even in what they actually have coming back. I think Baylor has a little bit of an edge, but man, I, I get it. And I know I said I would, I would, but it's not like OU missed the title game by two, three, four games. Like they finished in third. They lost to the two teams that made it. I just, I'm. It's why I put Baylor second. I went back and forth on both of those teams a lot. Um, if you ask me what the Big 12 title game is right now, I think it is. That's why I put OU Baylor 1-2. I think that's the Big yeah. 12 title game. But I also think that's probably not what it's going to actually be because history at this point shows that since the Big 12 title game came back, it's never 1-2. The team picked second does not make it ever. They just don't. And you know what? Maybe that's a bad thing for Baylor. I, pick, or, I mean, maybe that's a bad thing for, for Oklahoma. You know, they're finished second in the poll. And maybe that's good for Baylor. I don't know. And that's the thing about yeah, this where so, I mean, polls, preseason polls are dumb. And it's why you should never get mad at them. Because they don't mean anything. Um, but it's fun to talk about. So so what you're saying is that I really wish I could have had a vote. Because then if I had told you that if I had voted, I probably would have put Kansas at like seventh. And nobody could be mad at me for that. I mean... Because they're dumb. They are dumb. I mean, nobody, nobody I cares, wouldn't. right? I wouldn't be mad at you. Um, I did no. put Kansas no, actually, third, but and I'm like, very, it is, very It is funny. It. Well, it, it is kind of funny because if I had put, if I had submitted a ballot, like if, if I had one that I could have submitted, I would have put Baylor at one. Um, I would have really struggled whether I put Oklahoma State or Oklahoma at two and three. But I, but those would have been my two or three. I probably would have gone with Oklahoma just because, um, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I am as sold on Spencer Sanders at the quarterback position as the rest of the preseason media people were. Apparently, I, I did, I did um, not. Uh, Sanders yeah. was not my my quarterback. Yeah, so I, I probably would have had. Uh, let's see, four. I probably would have gone with uh, Iowa State. I, I actually think that Iowa State's going to be pretty good this year. Um, you know, I got to see a little bit of Hunter Deckers and. Look, I, I'm not quite as sold as some people are on how good he's going to be, but I also just think that the Big 12 is going to be a jumbled mess in the middle. So, like, they could come out as number four and not have a significantly better record than most of the other teams in the conference. Um, I am definitely not sold on Kansas State or Texas as as much as everybody else is. I, but, I, I mean, I probably would have had Texas as five and Kansas State as six. Um, the bottom is where it's all kind of jumbled up. I see those bottom four teams as all honestly kind of around the same you know the same area i do think that kansas has, has improved more than most other people seem to think uh, i did notice that you know the way that the votes came in uh kansas got at most seven people that don't think they're going to finish last on the conference <laughs> so we'll see how that kind of works out um but it's like texas tech tcu i think are very high variance teams they could either be decent or they could be really really bad 
um, and West Virginia, I, I just don't know with everything that's coming back. So, like, the bottom would have been a jumbled mess for me. Um, would have been hard for me to kind of sort out, but, um, yeah. I mean, I, I've said on this pod, I'm high in Kansas State. That's why I have them third, OSU fourth, Texas fifth. I have TCU sixth, Iowa State seventh. Man, they lost so much. And, like, people view that and you're like, so you think they're going to be – you ever notice how a lot of the times the teams who finish, like, fifth, sixth, seventh, Eighth might all have the same exact conference record, and it's just a matter of tiebreakers, or it's a one game difference. Like, it's hard through that stretch. I had West Virginia eighth, Texas Tech ninth, and Kansas tenth. Um, yeah, that's that's why like the fourth spot was so hard for me, right? Because yeah. I think I honestly think that you could look at four through seven or four through eight, and they could all be like tied or you know within a game yes. of each other. Ab- abs- yes, I, that, for me, that's OSU, Texas, TCU, Iowa State, West Virginia, throw in Texas. I mean, to me. I feel comfortable at OU, Baylor, Kansas State, one, two, three. Um, as my as the three at the top, you can reorder them however you want. Um, but four through nine, it, yeah, it's it, a jumbled mess. Like I don't love there's I don't love Texas Tech's schedule and the way it sets up, which is why I have them ninth more than anything. Like if you told me that Sunny Dyke showed up to T, or started, yeah, Sunny Dyke showed up to TCU and they were solid from the get go, like that wouldn't shock me. I just with so many new coaches and so much new and so many so many replacements and as wide open as this conference is, like th- this is the preseason poll for the Big Twelve is almost never accurate outside of Oklahoma finishing first until last year. Outside of that, it's pretty all over the place. Um, oh yeah, this year is a crapshoot. You could have taken a dart board and just picked your whole poll that way, and you probably still had a pretty good better chance of someone actually trying to like put pen to paper and analyze and figure out what it should be. And how much you want to bet that's how we got an Iowa State first place vote? <laughs> um, I mean, it would make it would make more sense than somebody like no, I have I have seen Hunter Deckers and he is the next coming of uh, Johnny Manziel. Yeah, you know the one thing I'm curious on that I'm sure we'll never find an answer to because they don't release what the actual poll or votes were. Not unless someone says um, it online. Right. I am curious which team got voted as the 10th in the conference that wasn't Kansas because there had to have been at least a few of them. Um, and, you know, unless somebody picked Kansas to like finish in the top half of the conference, but which I don't see anyone actually picking that. But like that means that there was at least six or seven people. Uh, or I'm sorry, at, at least at least. Yeah. Six or seven people that did not pick Kansas as last. I mean, based on point but, total, it would be Texas Tech and. Yeah, you would think so, probably, but that that game that know. game between them will be interesting. Okay, um, be lots of fun. I, it, all this does for me is once we start getting preseason polls, once we start getting preseason teams, once we get Big Twelve Media Days, which is this Wednesday and Thursday again, we unfortunately will not be there. Um, you can you can watch it on ESPN Plus and ESPN U. I promise you, I will have ESPN Plus on my computer at work with a headphone plugged in, so I can listen to everything. Especially uh, introductory press conference for Brett Yormark. Um, I, I imagine the, uh, you know, last year we were there and, uh, and Bowlesby thanked everyone, uh, at the end of the Q and a with him, uh, for it being the first year someone did not ask about realignment last year was the first time. I'm pretty sure that a new streak is about <laughs> to begin this year. <laughs> um, and I'm curious if who, who I would, uh, I want the betting odds and who the first person is to, uh, to ask uh, Brett Yormark. Uh, what what's going on? That is going to be the biggest topic of of discussion. Wait, you mean that you mean that the the comments that your Mark and you know both B and everyone else make aren't going to answer all the questions about realignment? It's because they don't. Like before they're, they can they're in a holding pattern. They're doing. The, they've made their <laughs> no, pitch. They don't know. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, one thing we do know: the Big Twelve by this coming Saturday will be the first power conference, and I'm pretty sure the first conference, but I haven't checked them all. To have every single school current all 10 or future the 12 or potentially 16 with about four mountain schools uh to be on home field apparel that's right the last missing big 12 school kansas state this is your week big news saturday season four this week i think it's week nine is kansas state so you just got oklahoma with a phenomenal line and absolutely phenomenal line and now you get kansas state and i've seen the line and it's quite good and i've got some shirts coming and i cannot wait uh this will be the final big 12 school 
that is not on home field. And the Big 12 will be the first conference. In case you're curious which conference uh, home field likes best, or at least is the best conference, to make sure that every school is on home field apparel, oh goodness, this is incredible. So, homefieldapparel.com, home for the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel. They continue to create absolutely wonderful stuff. The TCU lineup is great. The Raw Raw shirt is still one of my favorites. Uh, the OU line they just put out is incredible. Those logos are fantastic. I saw somebody complain because there wasn't a flag plant shirt. I'm just like, you guys do realize like they're going to do unique vintage things. That's not really vintage. Also, like OU has to like approve things. They have to say, okay, Kansas State lineup is great and you're going to love it. So remember the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 will get you 15% off your first order at Home Build Apparel the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel. The shirts are even more comfortable. The new shirts they're using are so good. The length is perfect. They are fantastic. If you're a Kansas State fan, get excited. Be excited. Be ready. Get your wallet ready. I, I look forward to the first tweet for the person who puts out a meme or a gif talking about how uh, their wallet is about to be ruined by home field apparel because it is. So don't forget that promo code NETWORK12. 15% off your first order to give your wallet a little bit of a buffer. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you'll ever wear this college football season. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime any place, get at your boys. Are you a parent listening to this podcast with a child at home, either in middle school or high school, but already thinking about college planning, scholarships, or dreaming of them playing sports in college? Do you know a high school or middle school athlete who wants to go and play in college? Whether it's D1, D2, D3, or just they're not even sure they just want to keep playing during college. Well, let us introduce you to one of our friends of the podcast and a company who is an expert in the world of college recruiting. Recruit Route, led by our friend Brian Bedford, a 25-year veteran of recruiting and former D1 recruiting director, Recruit Route offers a full suite of offerings to help student athletes, parents, and high school coaches be better educated and empowered to successfully navigate the college recruiting process. Check out our friends at recruit-route.com. That's recruit-route.com. Don't forget, run your route in recruiting with Recruit Route. You know, I think it's kind of funny because the home field announcement you know, the, the big new Saturday that they always put out that has like a hint as who it's going to be. I think Kansas state's the first one where they didn't even give you a hint. They literally have K state like in the actual picture. I don't think I've seen any other one that actually had the, the name of the school actually in the picture. I thought that was kind of funny. James has got a much like, yeah, it's this one now. I'm <laughs> handwritten. Thank you card for each and every order this week. Oh, home field. You know, your audience so well. So, 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 so. Let's see how, I'm curious. Do we have the, uh, man, I thought OU would do really well, right? Big brand, great collection, OU fans all over the place, rah, rah, rah. You know, Florida leads all Big New Saturday sale records ever, then Georgia, then South Carolina. Uh, highest Big 12 team is Cincinnati. Cincinnati followed by West Virginia. And then Kansas was a little disappointing, TCU. OU passed TCU with three hours to go. Uh, there wasn't another update. I'm curious if they passed Kentucky or not, or if they stayed yeah. behind Kentucky. Because um, OU fans, I, folks, I was going to make a, a bought your shirt at Walmart joke, but I'll just leave it alone. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's move on from there because, folks, I, don't get me wrong. Like We all have a couple of Hayden shirts in the drawer. Uh, That's what I sleep in because my wife keeps our our house as a meat locker um, because she likes it cold. So I sleep in a shirt, but to each his own. Okay. Uh, let's get into the conference consolidation. Andy, what do you think? And let's start off oh, with the, yeah. uh, let's not talk about what's the latest. Let's talk about this. Uh, Bavada <laughs> put out uh, the odds on July 10th. For the next school to accept an invitation to the Big Ten and the next school to earn an invitation to the SEC. So for you degenerates who want to put money down on what school has the best chance at landing in the Big Ten or the SEC next, I'll tell you, Bavada's odds, uh, Notre Dame is the leader in the clubhouse in the Big Ten at plus 
150, followed by Oregon, who has the same odds at 150, Washington. In fourth, Andy, Kansas at plus 1,400. Yeah. OSU's a few spots down at, at, at Oklahoma State's a few spots down at plus 2,000. Uh, Cincinnati is right behind Kansas at plus 1,500. Uh, in the SEC, uh, Clemson is the leader at plus 250. Uh, Baylor at plus 500. Oklahoma State at plus 600. Cincinnati at plus 750. Uh, Andy, Kansas with the fourth best odds to be the next school to accept an invitation from the Big Ten Conference. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, okay. First of all, the thing that jumped out to me on this has absolutely nothing to do with any of the schools. It's the little note that says, must accept invitation in 2022 for action. Otherwise, <laughs> all you're doing is parking your money with the betting company so that they can make a little bit of interest off of it. Because I don't know that anybody's going to accept an invitation this year. Like, everybody's waiting for Notre Dame. It's one of those things. It does not make sense to me that it is going to be anybody other than Notre Dame going to the Big Ten next. Although, I guess if you want to argue semantics, if, you know, if, if, uh, if say, just, you know, somehow the Big Ten decides, theoretically, that they want to take Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, and Kansas, because those are the, you know, the one, they're the next four on the list. But that's also probably the only way that Kansas gets in if they're one of those four, right? Like, all, all together, um, at least this year. But, like... Do you, if you're at one of those schools, <laughs> like rush out the the uh, announcement, right, of, hey, we've accepted the invitation. And like, how do they actually do that? If everybody, you know, an- accepts the invitation all on the same day, is it literally like which tweet came out first or which press conference got released first or something stupid like that? Like, I, I don't think there's really a chance that any of these teams are going to accept an invite because Big Ten has not shown any kind of urgency uh, you know, to to try to continue expanding the SEC, you have to think that almost every target that they want is probably in the ACC right now. And the only way that they're actually going to go is if they can blow up the conference because that guarantee of rights. Like last I heard, to to blow up that guarantee of rights because of how long it is, you're looking probably in the four hundred million range. And I don't yeah. think anybody's willing to pay four hundred million to be able to jump over to the SEC. I, I don't think anybody can honestly right now. Like, oh, and, and if let's you just, could, let's you get probably this out would. of the way real quick. But, let's get this out of the way real quick. Yeah. Um, they, in the long run, it would cost them more to get out than they would even get from the SEC or Pig 10. A. B. Um, any report that includes the line that ESPN is considering tearing up the TV contract, right. where they get the entire ACC con, like all of the schools for pennies on the dollar, you immediately ignore and move on because they're not going to do that. And if you try and sell me on something, like, well, you know, they could save some money. No, they get all of the ACC and a bunch of Notre Dame games for dirt cheap. They're not tearing up. An, no one in their right mind tears up great contracts for themselves. Yeah, they're like, sure as hell not going to do it for help any of the ACC schools. And the ACC signed this themselves, so they have no one to blame but themselves. Right. Like if if I worked at ESPN, right, and I even floated that idea to somebody You're else fired. at ESPN, you are fired like 10 minutes ago. Like it's that bad. Like that is literally the best television contract that you have ever seen um, for the network. Yeah. There's no way that they ever try to get out of that. Like literally the only way that ESPN would even consider that is if essentially those teams came into the sec and the sec didn't change their payout a single dime. Like that's the way you'd even think about it. And that's not going to happen because there could be a lot more inventory. They've already you know talked about that. And of course the sec would not expand without, more money coming in because again what we're talking about is the overall payouts for these schools people are not going to make the jump unless they can get more money out of it so yeah it's one of those things for sure that it is not happening unless the entire conference falls apart because we were talking about this last time with the big 12 right oklahoma and texas would already be at the already be with the sec if they didn't have to deal with the with the buyouts there and we're we're talking like 80 million probably for each of those which is i mean a decent amount yeah, for sure. But nowhere near what it would cost to get out of the ACC deal. No. And nowhere. they definitely add a whole lot more to the SEC than any ACC team. You know, I mean, I'm even willing to say for like an FSU or Miami, like Texas and Oklahoma definitely add more uh, to the SEC than any of those schools can. And so th- there is absolutely no way. The only way that Oklahoma and Texas could have gotten out of that is if they blown up the entire Big 12. If enough teams leave that there is no conference anymore, then you can't enforce the guarantee of rights. And even then... The schools that ended up getting left behind could theoretically have a case to sue, you know, to like try to get some stuff out of it. So like, it's not even a guarantee that blowing up the conference is going to be enough to avoid having to pay buyouts. So yeah, I just don't see it happening until the buyout is manageable. Those teams in the ACC are not moving. Yeah. Like 
the ACC is stuck. They did this to themselves. They signed this massive length of contract for less money. They did it a few years back, and it was a mistake, but they're stuck with it. It's what they wanted. They wanted the protection. They wanted protection. Right. They wanted um, the stability. They wanted to feel secure. Yes. And so that's what they took. Um, which leads us to, I'm going to bounce around a little bit, which leads us to the Alliance 2.0. The, the big talk now for the Pac-12 to save itself by aligning with the ACC and basically putting Pac-12 games on the ACC network or creating, basically moving their network to ESPN. Um, from all reports that we've seen, including from Dennis Dodd, uh, this would exclude Fox. ESPN would own all the Pac-12 that's left. Um, so they would just be on ESPN. Fox would lose Pac-12, right? Fox right now just has Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12. They don't have ACC and they don't have SEC. ESPN would do that to cut Fox off from basically the West Coast outside of USC and right. UCLA. outside of LA, right? basically. And the Mountain West. Okay. Um, Pac-12 would do this because it would give them security. And when I say Pac-12, imagine the Pac-12. When I say that, that is the Pac-12 commissioner and the office. It is not necessarily any schools individually. Um, but it would it would provide them the ability to hold that conference together and, and potentially get them a decent amount of money. The problem I'm having with this, this whole new alliance, other than it being, you know, two butthurt conferences who the Big Ten, one completely stabbed in the back, and the other one, like, by the way, the ACC is the, really the reason we don't have an expanded playoff set ready to go right now because the ACC is... Um, I don't understand the ACC's initiative here because there's no guarantee that this gets them more money. And if it does, if it's a renegotiation of the contract, what does that do for the grant of rights? How do you renegotiate a contract to get more money out of ESPN without opening the door to allow schools who went out to get out. I, I, don't, I don't know that it actually would renegotiate the grant of rights because from my understanding, the grant of rights is for locked, their is, games. Right, well, right. But it's it is them. locked into that contract. That, uh, and, uh, shouts to Andy Staples. He does a he has done a great job. Go listen to his podcast when he's talking about this stuff. Like his whole point is he listened to it, he talked with a lawyer, and the the contract with ESPN and the grant of rights are almost directly linked so that if that contract did get blown up, if that contract was shredded, the grant of rights would essentially go away. Yeah. But, but I think what I'm saying is I don't know that the, by, by putting PAC 12 games on the network, they're not changing any of the obligations or any of the rights that the TV network gets to be able to broadcast their games. All they're literally doing is using a supplemental agreement to add additional content that can be broadcast on the ACC network. Right, but you're going to have to change if you're the ACC. So if, why would you do this to the ACC if you're not getting more money? Well, no, the ACC could get more money, but but there's a big difference between redoing a contract, like tearing up an old contract, or adding a, a supplement or an addendum to it. And so if they were going to do something like this, it would be the ACC gets more money through a supplemental contract that changes some of the content that gets put on the channel. It does not change anything about... The, the rights that are guaranteed to the media partner from those particular schools, all it's literally doing is saying, hey, we have this airtime. We had been doing all of it for your conference before, but now we're going to add this other content on there as well. And that's literally all it's changing. They're not. Okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, okay. it's, it's definitely one of those things, depending on how they do it, there is a possibility it could, but there are definitely ways that it can be done without voiding the contract that they have right now and getting them out of the, the, the grant of rights. So here's the next question for this thing. And this has been my biggest question with the PAC 12 saving itself. Can the PAC 12 convince Oregon and Washington to sign a new grant of rights to keep them in the conference for the length of a new TV deal? Because if I'm Oregon yeah. and Washington, unless the big 10 comes out and says, we're never adding you. It's never going to happen. We're not kidding. Just stop it. We don't want you. Like Oregon and Washington, the worst thing that can happen to them is they say, all right, well, let's go ahead and sign this new thing. We're in the Pac-12. And then the Big Ten goes, oh, well, Notre Dame's coming next year. You could have come in the year after. But since you've already signed this thing, we'll talk about it again in, in another 10 years when this contract comes up. Can they – does the Pac-12 want to do a deal that allows Oregon and Washington to leave early? 
And I don't think they do. Like, I don't, maybe they do. Maybe that's the only thing they can do. Like, I'm just, there's so many floating questions here about this stuff when it comes to the Pac-12 of, and we're not going to get them answered anytime soon, which is why after this week, I get the feeling, unless some major news breaks, we're not going to talk about this a whole lot more because until we have news, <laughs> there's too many things floating. But like, if I'm Oregon and Washington, I don't want to sign a, a long-term contract. I don't want a long-term grant of rights. I don't want a grant of rights, period. I want to be able to leave when I want to leave. But also from that standpoint, how do you convince the other schools to stay? The Mountain Schools, who the Big 12 is pursuing, to stick around to help you out. Because otherwise, if they leave, I guess you're going to the Big 12 too, or you're stuck in a Pac-12 that's six teams plus the Mountain West stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is, like, how quickly is all this going to have to move, right? Because... The Pac-12 is looking for a new contract right now. Um, yes. But they're gauging their interests and right. their contract ends in what? 2020, 2024 is when the new one would start. Yes. Right. You've got so to have, have a new one basically figured out right, by next they have, year. Right. They have this season and the next season and that's it. And so it's one of those things where, you know, it has been very customary that a, a conference, I'm sorry, a media network is not going to sign a, a contract with the conference if they don't have some sort of guarantee for, for who's going to actually be in the conference. Because that's how all the valuation comes out. Yep. And so you're right. Like, it's one of those things where it's going to be very, very difficult, I think, for Oregon and Washington to sign on to something for a super long amount of time. I would not be shocked to see a Pac-12 media rights, um, you know, like a, a grant of rights that only lasts for like three or four years. Something small. Because... I just don't know that you're going to be able to get like if they're going to survive and be able to hold on to the people that they have or the schools that they have, it's not going to be able to be a long-term contract. You can't have it out for 10 years or something like that because, Uh, and it's, it's, it's difficult, right? Because a lot of the schools would want it to be longer for that extra stability, but you also don't want to get yourself into a situation like the ACC, right? Where you have a really long contract that you're stuck in for a really long time. If everything skyrocket you you want a 10-year contract but, but you need you it want to the ability every 10 right, years to renegotiate sense. yeah i think 10 years is about right like you want the ability every 10 to 12 years to renegotiate um i don't want anything that goes past the accs is over in 2036 i'm not signing anything that 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 goes longer than that one like oh yeah i, yeah, I want to sure be up at the same time or assigned time ish um but i also wouldn't be I don't see, but i don't why am i but Why would I buy into something like that? I just like if you're the pack other Pac-12 schools, I'm. I know you all want to stay together, but I'm not. And if I'm a TV, like a media company, I'm not signing a three to four year contract with that. Like I, I, I wouldn't be shocked though if they had one that went through the 2030 season, and that'd be like six years. Uh, it's one of there's those. There's so things- many things. This again, it's a, there's just so much. There's so much moving. We this and we talked about this with Ari. It goes quick and then it stops for a while, like. Right. It's been a year since the Big Twelve stuff. Like it's gonna, it's gonna slow down. We're not gonna find out anything anytime in the next week or two. I doubt. Who knows? Uh, but I'll say this: for the Big Twelve. Let's say the Pac-12 does this deal with the ACC and they partner up, and the ACC, all the Pac-12 is on ESPN. From what Dennis Dodd has said of CBS is that Fox is not expected to be part of any negotiations whatsoever with the Pac-12. I mean, Fox is apparently the one behind. We talked to media that these ESPN and Fox are involved heavily in this stuff. Fox is the one behind the move to get USC and UCLA are heavily involved in it to the big, to the big 10. They say Dennis Dodd doesn't think the PAC 12 is going to want to negotiate with Fox for the big 12. That's a positive, right? Because if the PAC, if the big 12, if the, if Fox is down to the big 10 mountain West and the big 12, the Big 12 is now going to become more important and now has a negotiating chip. And yep. I, I've had people uh, discuss with me on Twitter the idea of moving everything to Apple, like Ari mentioned. I think you need some things on actual TV. But if you told me that they could find some sort of option where you put a ton of majority of your content on a purely streaming platform, but still had Fox to showcase football, and some basketball, even though Fox doesn't seem all that invested in college basketball or any of the other college sports, they don't. They want football. That's all they care about. Right. But if you can put a good chunk of your football games, half your football games on Fox, a few basketball games and maybe some softball in there, and everything else is sitting on Apple or Amazon or someplace else, I'm fine with that. I know that's not great for a lot of teams. I know that's not great in West Virginia where a, a giant chunk of that state doesn't have internet access. Um, and I hate that. 
And that's why there has to be some sort of over-the-air broadcast for some sporting events. But I don't want to be on three, four, five things. I want to be on one or two. And the opportunity to just be on Fox and insert streaming platform is probably going to be a good thing for the Big 12 because you're going to get more money because of it. Well, not only that, but right, you become one of a fewer number of properties that Fox has. So they're probably going to pay you more, right? They're going to have more money. talk about you a whole lot more. That too. Um, But it also takes another bidder out from the Pac-12, which means that the Pac-12 valuation is probably not going to come in as high because like part of what's going on with the SEC and the Big Ten is that those are such desirable properties that they can get more money because the, the, you know, like Fox wants to lock out essentially as much of ESPN stuff as they possibly can from the Big Ten. And, and vice versa, you know, ESPN wanted the entire media rights for the SEC. They paid out the nose for it. So it's one of those things where, you know, less bidders means less money overall for Pac-12, which makes it less attractive for them to stay in the Pac-12, which makes it a little bit easier if the Big 12 is like, hey, look, we've got this amount here. And, you know, th- there's people that have been throwing out all kinds of estimates, you know, kind of what they're hearing about what theoretical valuations are and things like that. But and, and you obviously have to take a lot of that with a grain of salt. But when you talk about the or when you look at the numbers that are being thrown out by, you know, anonymous TV executives or, pr- or you know, former TV executives, that kind of stuff, like even if you assume that they're kind of exaggerating one way or another, the differences like they're talking about a Pac-12 that's like 30, 35 million per school. The last I saw about the Big 12, they were talking about like 50 million per school in the new Big 12 contract. And so it's one of those things where even if those numbers are off, right, say it's like 45 for the Big 12 and 35 for the Pac-12, that's still a noticeable difference per school. And so it's one of those things, unless the Pac-12 can drive the price up to close the gap on that, you are theoretically getting to a point where the money is just too much of a difference, even at this lower level, you know, too much of a difference to pass up especially since the Big 12 is going to be more stable. Like right now they have more teams. They're in a better position. And and I think more and more people are coming around to the idea that the Big 12 is in a powerful position, you know, for being the third best conference in the, in the country. Um, But, you know, as much as the media has been talking up the ACC and talking up the PAC 12, and we can get off on a 30 minute tangent about how ridiculous it is that, you know, there's so many articles talking about saving the PAC 12 when everybody was ready to write the death sentence for the big 12 last year. Um, you know, the big 12 has shown that they've been able to come through this and that they're very strong and have been able to adapt to kind of what's going on. And so it will be interesting to see how strong they can present that front and who they're able to kind of step up and absorb. I also kind of wonder you know, if the Pac-12 is able to hold on to the 10, you've got to think that they're not going to be able to just stay at 10. They're going to have to add some other teams somewhere. I have a hard time imagining it's going to come from the Big 12. I have a really hard time imagining that they're going to get anybody east of the Mississippi River. Like, they don't want to be a nationwide conference, and this, you know, alliance that they potentially have with the ACC, I don't know that it's enough to float them. Um, theoretically, it might be able to for, you know, a few years, but... Um, you know, the next time someone comes calling that has is going to pay them extra money to go into a different conference, I would not be shocked to see Washington or Oregon or any of the mountain schools move. And so it's one of those things where I don't know how long it's going to take, but it is hard for me to imagine that we stay at five quote unquote power conferences. There's going to be further consolidation. The Big 12 right now, I think, is in the best position to still be around after that consolidation happens. Even if we get into a case where five years down the road, the Big Ten and the SEC decide that they want to go to 24 and they start pulling some schools from the Big 12 and, you know, the SEC, I'm sorry, the, the Big 12, the ACC and the Pac-12, I think the Big 12 will have enough members left to be strong enough to be able to survive. So it's really a matter, I think, now of setting yourself up to be as strong as possible for when the next big round of consolidation happens so that you can be you know, the last one standing as that third conference. Two little things I want to leave you with. We mentioned Andy Staples of The Athletic. Um, last year, he wrote an article because, you know, it's all about TV numbers, right? It's all about TV numbers and dollars. He wrote an article about the 4 million club. These are teams who have had played in games where 4 million or more people viewed that game. Um, I forget the exact date range of what he looked at. Uh, he, it was 2015 to 2019. Didn't include 2020 because, again, 2020 was weird as all get out and it's hard to include that much. So any game that had 4 million or more viewers 
I think the highest uh, one was more over 16 million for a 2016 Michigan Ohio State game. The teams who had games that did that, all but two are now in the Big Ten or the SEC. Okay, the only two that aren't are Notre Dame and Clemson. This is what we're talking about when we start nitpicking over like, well, this team is valuable and this team is valuable. Of the teams in the FBS who have won 800 or more games, the only two teams not in the SEC or the Big Ten are Notre Dame and Florida State. So Staples put out a new article uh, looking at uh, 1 million or more viewers, right? of non-SEC Big Ten teams who have attracted a million or more viewers to their games 2015 through 2019, and then again in 2021, because again, 2020 was weird. Your top teams who had a million or more people watch their games, games that they played in, in 2015 through 2019 and 2021. 284 out of 914 rated regular season games. Rated means you have to generate enough for them to actually, like, count. Only 284 out of 914 rated games had a million or more viewers. Clemson had the most at 34. Florida State, Washington, Oregon are your top four, followed by Miami with 21. At six, Washington State had 21. Wild as all get out. It's not until seven till we start getting into the Big 12 teams. Oklahoma State had 19. Uh, Baylor had 15. TCU and West Virginia had 14. BYU had 12. If you want to throw in the Pac-12, because we're talking about Pac-12 value, again, Washington had 28, Oregon 26, Washington State 21, Utah 19, Colorado 15, Arizona State 13. I just This does the stuff we're looking at. You have to understand the difference of like we're nitpicking to some extent about when we're talking about what's more val- who's more valuable than who when it comes to TV dollars and TV viewership. Oregon and Washington are valuable brands. They are. I think it's been said by other people. I'll continue to say it. I think it's the two most valuable brands of what is left in the Pac-12 and what is in the Big 12 once OU and Texas leave and the four new schools join. I think Oregon and Washington are the two most valuable brands. They are. After that, but it's it, the, it's not... After that, it's a big jumble. These guys are way up here right, and Big everyone else and is like... it. But they're not so demonstratively higher than everybody else. that Because if they were... If they were, they'd already have gotten the invite. Right. So the Big 12 and what's left of the Pac-12 are a lot closer in value, I think, than people want to talk about. It's just the Pac-12 has been around in its form for longer. The Big 12 provides more stability right now. I I would love to say I could predict what's going to happen. I have no freaking idea. I lean toward the, the the Pac-12 will figure out some way to save itself because it's not made, it's not made by ADs. They're made by school presidents, and they think about things outside of just football and TV viewership, and that includes sticking with their buddies with the Pac-12 snobberies they have had, and I think that's going to matter a whole lot. So if you ask me today, I don't think the Big 12 adds anybody from the Pac-12 next year. Maybe in a few years down the line, but I don't know. But nobody knows. And if anybody tells you they know, they're full of it. They don't know. Ten people on Earth actually know what's going to happen. Then you add another, like, five journalists. Anybody who says what's going to happen without saying, this is my prediction. (laughs) Or I think. Is full of it. Right. Right. Remember, we talked about this. Matt Brown. School presidents and conference commissioners make these decisions and a few network execs. This is not so... When journalists are talking about things like sources, like so maybe, I don't know, a swim blog who starts talking about what's going to happen to the ACC. Swim coaches don't know shit. Football coaches don't know shit. A lot of ADs don't know shit. They do not know because they are not included in this decision-making process. It's left up to school presidents. Some ADs might know. Speak, the problem is... Speaking most of, of you yeah. said swim blog, and I couldn't help but... Think. We're not going to talk about him. I'm not giving him any more free pub. No, 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 no. What? Matt Brown? For that... No, 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 no. I'm talking Brown. about Matt Brown. So he put out an extra points newsletter that came out on Sunday night that has a generate your own conference realignment rumor widget. Oh yeah, it. he's had it the is, generator for a while. It's amazing, but it's absolutely hilarious. The one, the one that I clicked on, it said Colorado is joining the Skyline Conference, and the NCAA swim community it cannot believe it. 
I just thought it was the most hilarious thing ever that that was what came up. So, yes, it, it's fantastic. I highly recommend you guys go over there and generate all the fun random rumors that you can because it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, Robert from Cowboys Ride for Free had, a, I think it was Mo- Monsters University, joined the Big 12 Pac-12 merger, yada, yada, yada. I'm just like, bring oh it. Oh, my gosh. That's nonsense. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Feels like a good place to wrap I've got a really good interview, but I'm going to save it, I think, probably for next week or one of the coming weeks because the schedule is getting super weird. But I've got a really fun interview. I'll tease it. I've got a really fun interview. It's already done. Uh, TCU will be adding triathlon uh, here uh, in 2023. will be the first year that they compete. i got an interview with their head coach. It's really, really good. I love talking about the other sports, especially the, the more unique ones. Did you know that triathlon is probably going to have an NCAA-sanctioned championship within the next few years because this is one of the fastest – growing and adding awesome. sports yeah it's really super neat um so you know though well, gonna... those are the best ways or best things to tease the stuff that's already recorded that cannot Correct. fall through don't tease things that aren't recorded yet and in the can and edited and ready exactly. to go. so we will have that interview coming up um i'm very excited for you all to hear it we'll get it soon uh but we're gonna go ahead and wrap here andy plug sir yeah you can follow me personally on twitter at andy mitts 12 uh follow the rock chalk podcast account at rock chalk pod uh i write over at blue wings rising to talk about KU stuff as well. That is bluewingsrising.com. It's the SI Fan Nation site. Um, or you can follow that on Twitter at Blue Wings Rise. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at 1012 Network, on Instagram at 1012 Pod. Uh, do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. Uh, we did get a review. Somebody got the Athlon Magazine. I'll read that review next week and let you know who it was. He knows. He's been DM'd. He's aware. He's getting it. I'm going to get it in the mail tomorrow. Well, I guess Monday when this comes out. So uh, leave us a rating review. Five stars, please. Keep downloading. Keep listening. Check out every show on the network. 1012network.com. T-E-N-1-2-network.com. You can find every show in the 1012 network. Uh, we are working to add new shows this summer. We plan to add one. Hope to add two. Can't wait to... Man, I, just, I can't wait. We've got so many irons in the fire before the season gets here. The season's going to be here so quick. I am so excited. I cannot wait to have you and Jamie back on the regular every Monday. So, Andy, thanks again, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Folks, we'll be back again next week. Have a good one. Podcast Network.